This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. This is Kyle Murphy, Vice President of Editorial of Excelligent Healthcare Media. And today we are joined by Alan Swenson, Executive Director of Care Equality, a national level trusted interoperability exchange framework that enables health information exchange between and among health data sharing networks. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks, Kyle. Definitely happy to be here and looking forward to the discussion. So let's talk about Care Equality, where it's at. And the organization's been around for more than a handful of years. Where is the organization now and what are the top priorities kind of moving into the new year? Yeah, great question. We've definitely been around for a number of years now. And one of the big things is we're just seeing a huge increase in the volume of exchange and looking at additional ways to continue to increase participation and increase that exchange. Our first exchange was back in 2014. And back in the beginning of 2020, we hit the 1 billion documents exchanged mark. Later in 2020, we hit the 2 billion document exchange mark. And we're looking at some of the more recent numbers, but I expect we easily passed the 4 billion mark in 2021. We're currently in the process of working with implementers of the Carry Quality Framework to improve reporting of metrics. But based on some of the most recent numbers that we see, it looks like we're probably well over 300 million documents being exchanged on a monthly basis between largely provider organizations participating in the carry quality framework. And so a lot of the focus historically has been provider to provider exchange. And we're seeing, like I said, huge volumes of, of documents being exchanged around. So a lot of the focus moving into 2022 is expanding that beyond just providers exchanging CDA documents for treatment purposes. Uh, we've got some work that's going to be starting up here in January, focusing on payers, payer to provider exchange. We've got some requirements coming in 2022 for simplified patient access. We've got a number of patient apps and, and PHR, patient health record systems that are already participating and are going to be expanding ease of access for those types of organizations, along with other forms of exchange. We have an implementation guide already for the use of fire through the carry quality framework electronic case reporting for public health reporting. We are going to be expanding with some other types of public health reporting, image exchange, so diagnostic quality images on top of just the CDA's exchange for treatment. So lots of exciting stuff in the works and expanding, again, beyond just very quality being providers exchanging between each other for treatment purposes. What seem to be some of the major challenges when it comes to health data exchange, starting with providers, but also moving into the future with a lot of the looming regulation for payer-to-payer exchange, really just exchange among any healthcare stakeholder. What seem to be the main obstacles in the way and how does an organization like Care Quality help to resolve those and get those out of the way? Care Quality is not a network. We are a framework that, that facilitates exchange. So there's nothing that's exchanged through Care Quality. Uh, rather, we provide the governance, the framework, the trust, the directory, et cetera, to make it so that organizations can exchange between each other under the carry quality governance. Um, and, and so one of the, the issues that we that we struggle with is just making sure we have the right people at the table to create that governance and those policies, right? We, we started with a focus on provider organizations, exchange treatment purposes. And so we've done a lot of great work there because we've got a lot of providers, their EHRs, et cetera, at the table, those networks, HIEs, helping to create those policies. When we start talking about policies around how to improve patient access, how to improve payer access, et cetera, public health access, anything really outside of treatment, it gets difficult when you've got a bunch of provider organizations at the table talking about how they should be responding to payers. Without the payers at the table, explaining what they need and the policies that would benefit them. 
And so that's one of the big reasons that we've got some stuff coming in 2022, recruiting for payers in particular right now to make sure that we have appropriate representation on both sides so that we can create framework policies that then govern how the provider organizations respond to requests from payers and ensure that it can be trusted. Because there are a number of legitimate reasons and concerns that provider organizations have you know, around how broad the definitions of payment and healthcare operations under HIPAA are, for example. And what do you really mean when you're asking for data for healthcare operations? Because there's a lot that goes into that. And so working with payers to come up with some, some potentially subcategories and, and better define that so the providers know what they're really releasing information for, making sure that we've got the appropriate representation to come up with those policies that will satisfy the provider need, but also satisfy the payer need so that there's a, a benefit to them participating. I know you guys work around trust and trusted exchange, but it seems to me you just hit on a point where there's still some lingering issues around trust between payers and providers. And part of your role is kind of coordinating, facilitating those different groups to get together. Do you find just getting these folks in the same room, that's an obvious starting point in terms of advancing interoperability, just getting these folks to get on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been involved in interoperability for many years. My entire career has been data interoperability. I remember when we were initially setting up connections between provider organizations, and I won't call anyone out specifically, but I remember very clearly working with one provider organization who did not want to get connected because there was a competing organization in their area that was already connected, and they didn't want to give them free access to their patients. But we're past that at this point. For treatment purposes, providers have realized that, no, you know, the whole competing and not sharing with each other. I mean, that doesn't work. We've got obviously information blocking regulations that are putting more of a stop to some of that, but we've gotten past that point. But that's not necessarily the case when you expand beyond just providers who now feel more comfortable easily exchanging between each other. There are still you know, millions of fax pages sent for payers requesting information because healthcare organizations like to be able to take a look at what the request is and determine what to respond and respond back with a fact versus letting the system just automatically handle it like they do today for treatment. And so getting to the point where we have everyone at the table understand what's needed on the payer side or on the patient side or on the life insurance side, whoever else it is that needs information, and then come up with the policies that also satisfy the concerns of the providers makes it so that we can get all of this automated and allow the infrastructure that exists and is being used for treatment-based exchange today to also cover all of those other forms of exchange and get rid of the need for one-off agreements and millions of fax pages and everything else and just let the system handle the requests appropriately. How important is creating this level of playing field to some of the industry challenges? Obviously, we've got a lot of delayed care, gaps in care that were created as a result of the pandemic. We've got new payment models being tried out, but obviously a lot of data needs to move between payers, providers in order to make that happen. Do you see that there's even a greater sense of urgency for the work that you're doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, nobody wants to see or have to deal with the pandemic like where we are currently, but we've certainly seen a lot of great progress that has come as a result of it. Unfortunately, it took a pandemic to realize that, hey, there were probably some things we should have already been doing. But we've made some serious improvements. And last year, Carry Quality in record time created an implementation guide for electronic case reporting to allow provider organizations to submit case reports, particularly for COVID, to their public health authorities. That's probably something that we should have already had in place. We didn't. 
pandemic comes along and this oh crap moment of public health needs information and we've got this awesome framework that could be used but isn't, well, let's let's figure it out. And we, the community came together, immediate response, and we were able to get this implementation guide in place and have a, a large number of organizations with more continuing to roll it out using the carry quality framework governance to submit electronic case reports. Uh, we're in discussions with you know groups like CDC around potentially leveraging that for cancer registry reporting and, and other things that aren't necessarily related to the pandemic, but got started because we realized there was more we should be doing. And there's still absolutely additional emergency response work that, that is going on in other places and other improvements, but we've definitely seen the community come together around certain use cases as we realize that, yeah, this really is needed and carry quality can solve it. And I think we're going to continue to see that as you talk about things with, you know, changing payment models and organizations realizing, hey, we really need to have better simple connectivity. We can't be managing individual point-to-point connections with everyone we need data from. Well, the carry quality framework exists. Let's use it and start coming up with those better use cases and governance agreements to make it so that it can be used across the board for all of these types of exchanges. There have been some proposed and potentially forthcoming kind of changes to HIPAA and privacy and security. They obviously have an impact on the type of information that's been shared. I'm curious, are are some of those concerns a little bit overstated considering, you know, you guys, you've been working on creating these rules of the road. Privacy's always been kind of a high priority there. Is HIPAA currently sufficient to supporting this kind of new interoperable world or does it need to shift in order to support the type of data sharing that you know, a lot of people have been waiting for and kind of clamoring for, for more than a decade, I would say. There's a mix there. There are certainly concerns organizations bring up and some of the things that are talked about, well, we need to change HIPAA, where I'm not convinced that it was even a problem in the first place. It's more of a scapegoat of, hey, there's something I can point to to, to say why I'm not doing it. Let's let's change that first. On the other hand, there certainly are. I mean, HIPAA is dated, right? I mean, there wasn't electronic exchange between EHR systems when HIPAA was created. And and so when we look at things like how releases are handled and consent are handled, your patient record, your medical record used to be a stack of papers, you know, filed at your provider's office. And so when you needed your information to be shared with anyone outside of that physical building, that was sharing information. However, it got there, whether someone walked over the papers or faxed it over or mailed it, whatever. And that's the framework HIPAA was created in. Now we get to where we have, you know, these multi-state health systems with, you know, dozens of hospitals and hundreds of clinics across multiple states, but they all share a single EHR system. And so you have providers, you know, patient can go from Missouri to Oklahoma to to Wisconsin over to to wherever this, this, this health system's at. And no one is actually quote unquote sharing information because each of those providers in all these different states were logging into the same system and had access to the same information. But then when the patient walks across the street to a competing health system, all of a sudden now it's data sharing and there's all these concerns around how health information is shared across systems. Well, I mean, hold on, you could go multiple states without sharing, but across the street now is. And so there are just things like that where the the world and where records are stored and how records are shared is very different today than it was when HIPAA was created. And so I think there are certainly places where updates are needed to match what the current state of health data information and sharing actually looks like. And last question I have for you is one of the things I I commonly hear is that interoperability is constantly shifting the goalposts. How much of a challenge is it to consistently be updating these standards, be working with these different stakeholders to keep on pushing some of the people's expectations forward to make sure that 
we get closer to achieving that fully integrated health system that was theorized years ago, but folks have been really making considered effort to realize in this coming decade? That's a great question. And actually, I wrote a blog a couple of years ago, I think now, uh, on, on a very related topic of are we there yet? And do we really even know what there means? Talk about the changing goalposts and we keep kind of moving what we mean. I often joke about Princess Bride and Eagle Montoya. You know, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Interoperability is this word that, that gets thrown around all the time. But I think we all have a general idea of when someone says interoperability, what do we mean? But I would expect that if you ask someone to actually define for them interoperability, and took full of you know 100 different people, you're probably going to get 100 slightly different definitions because I don't know that we have firm agreement on what are we really trying to get to when we say interoperability and when do we get there and say we did it, right? We've achieved interoperability. And is that even something that we're going to get to? And, and that's difficult because we keep changing what the definition means and what the goalposts are and, and where we're trying to get. Ultimately, what I want to see is that interoperability isn't a word that anyone other than myself and those helping to create the rules even needs to know what it means. No doctor should need to care about, you know, do I have sufficient data interoperability? Rather, I'm seeing a patient and there is information in my system about this patient. And where that information came from is irrelevant. It is information that some other provider documented about the patient the last time they saw them. And it might be someone within my health system, within my office. It might be someone across the country who I have no idea who they are, but they're a provider and they document the information on the patient. And now it's in my system. And the payer can you know, be processing a claim or looking at utilization or whatever else they need to be doing and just have the information that they need without having to think, well, who is my EHR and which network are they participating in? And did that get connected to you know, carry quality or not? And what do I need to do? And right, that should all just be behind the scenes and information should be where it's needed at the time it's needed. And that's an idealistic, nebulous idea of what interoperability is. But to me, that's what there is, right? That when, when, when we get there, that providers just have the information that they need. Patients can just access their own information without having to remember 10 different portal logins. That is achieving interoperability. And we can stop talking about what does interoperability mean, which means that we're not there yet and we've still got a ways to go, but we've made a ton of progress in past years Lots of exciting stuff coming in the coming years, and we're definitely getting closer. Thank you, Alan, for joining us today. I really appreciate the chat. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Healthcare Strategies. Thank you for listening. For comments, questions, concerns, feel free to email us at podcast at extelligentmedia.com. Find us wherever you do your podcast listening, and do us a favor and leave a friendly comment rating. Again, thank you for listening. This has been Healthcare Strategies. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production. 